It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to this episode of Kennedy Saves the World. It's very interesting because government very paternalistically tries to save communities of color uh, by passing laws that uh, end up getting people thrown in prison for decades. And then they pass more laws uh, taking gun ownership rights away from people and demonizing responsible gun ownership. And uh, you have a host of problems that tend to multiply. And those in power always make the case that, uh, one, they deserve the vote of everyone in the black community, but also that their government problems require even more government solutions and compliance. My next guest is the founder of Black Guns Matter. Uh, He ran for city council in Philadelphia. You might have seen him on my Fox Business show. He has probably the tightest PowerPoint presentation that I have seen in um, a decade It's really, really good, and I was transfixed by uh, all of his messages. I was inspired by um, his ideas of injecting liberty into communities that have been skeptical and disdainful of uh, political Trojan horses. But he is authentic. He has an amazing message. And he joins me now. Maj Torre, welcome to Kennedy Saves the World. Thank you, Kenny. I appreciate you for having me. So tell me about where you got the idea for... Black guns matter because there there's a lot of uh, political mansplaining to the black community, as you know, and it's very interesting how they focus on crime and parenthood and things like that, because it's often so condescending. We started Black Guns Matter because in 2015, uh, going into 2016 presidential election, Obviously, you keep every four years, you hear people in urban demographics talking about, we need a voter's registration drive. We need a voter's registration drive. For us, we were just like, yo, bro, we need a, like, you know, we we, we would ha- half jokingly, we need a, like, license to carry drive. We need a, like, people to get armed drive. And so we just did one. And we did it in Philadelphia across the street from the licensing unit um, where they, you know, at that time, would you go down and you fill out your paperwork to get a license to carry. Now, the irony of getting a license to exercise a human right was not lost on us, but at least we knew we could give people on the path of starting that, that process. We did the interview, excuse me, we did the, um, the event and we expected maybe 30 people to show up, like 300 people came. And I'm talking about people came from like Brooklyn, like New Jersey. I mean, like just so many people in the regional and, you know, in a, let's say tri-state area that just didn't have any of the information, didn't know exactly what's the process in my particular, um, you know, borough or township or whatever. So we just decided to just keep informing people. Um, We did a bunch of classes in Philadelphia that year. And for all the way through 2016, we we, we didn't even really go on a tour until maybe 2017, 2018. But we did most of our work in Philadelphia. That year, when the stats came out, uh, Philadelphia had the lowest violent crime it had since 1979. Wow. Do you... Uh, think that that is directly correlated to the the concealed carry drive that you had? I think that it 
at that time for Philadelphia because it, it was no, there wasn't anybody else really there. And I think there may have been some uh, people were so preoccupied having a conversation about Donald Trump's going to like, I remember somebody like the, the narrative then was like, dude's going to bring back slavery. I remember, I remember Biden very specifically saying, he going to have you all back in chains. He going mean, to put y'all in chains. Yeah, that type of vibe. And I just was like, maybe everybody was just distracted talking about that. And they cut down on the crime. Like everybody was so afraid and they would, you know, get more guns. But not for that year, I absolutely think we were the main driving force in that. Because all we did was license, excuse me, uh, you know, show people how to get their license to carry, gun safety classes, and conflict resolution. That's all we did. That's all we did. And then, you know, correlation to that, because then you could go, well, it could have been anything. And, you know, one time could be a fluke. So the irony was we started traveling around the country and doing this, the same goal. We're going to make the urban demographic primary. We say black, but like it's urban. But most of these uh, big leftist cities are uh, highly populated by African-American folks. And so we start going to these different cities with the same energy, doing media, doing all over the place. Every year that we did uh, these classes in these cities, gun ownership increased in those cities, licenses to carry increased in those cities, and violent crime, you know, with a few notable exceptions, violent crime generally declined, right? But the thing was, in Philadelphia, where we stopped doing the classes, you know, more consistently because we were traveling around the country, Violent crime rose every single year that we were not there, culminating in 2021, which was what last year, which was Philadelphia's most deadly year. We had 562 homicides in Philadelphia last year. That's the most there's been since they started recording it. Um, and that was the year that we did zero classes in Philadelphia. So what we started doing was we said, OK, let's see again if this is us. So we're there. Crime goes absurdly low. We leave for three, four years, traveling around the country, crime gets higher and it's, it peaks in 2021. Towards the end of, because the you know COVID and all that other good stuff, towards the middle to end of 2021, we just came back to Philadelphia and just started concentrating on um, classes again, just like we did in 2016. That year, or for quarter one of 2022, Violent crime is down. And all we did was just do the same thing we did in 2016. And licenses to carry in Philadelphia are up at least 600 percent. What do you think? What do you think the the direct correlation is between uh, dropping crime and rising legal guns? Is it is it people who are normally committing crimes? They know that people are able to defend themselves and they don't have to wait for the police to show up. Is it that what is it? It's a multitude of things. One, um, licenses to carry when they were trying to stop it from being a thing with the COVID outreach, um, excuse me, overreach by the government. Um, Firearms Policy Coalition and some pressure from uh, myself and other folks was like, yo, you you have to make this available online. So the available online thing, now we just show people how to get their license to carry online. So before, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, you had to go down there. When the government overreach was like, oh, we're afraid of COVID, so we're going to stop doing this. We're like, well, yo, just do it online. So that was one reason why the spike in uh, licenses to carry. And, and it was much easier for us to just email and have phone calls and talk to people about how to get their license to carry. That's me a lot of times sending 
20, 10, 20,000 links, you know what I mean? And emails. Um, on top of that, there's, there is a thought process. Cause again, for 2022, justified homicides are up. So defensive gun usages are up in Philadelphia too, which means when people are, you know, carjacking, more people are having guns and more people are using firearms to stop bad guys. That is literally the trend in Philadelphia. So when there's more people with firearms in Philadelphia, where we're doing this work, more people with safe and responsible firearms owners, more people with licenses to carry, more people are going to get trained, more people are talking about it, it's shifting a culture. The politics over time will change in Philadelphia. You know, Breitbart said a while ago, you know, politics are downstream from culture. And that's what we're seeing in Philadelphia. We're seeing like way more safe and responsible firearms owners, way more people purchasing those firearms lawfully, way more people getting training, which allows people to know how to recognize a threat and how to potentially stop a threat. So it's not just one thing, it's a holistic approach. So when you talk, when, when you shift the culture from, let's say the vast majority of people saying guns are bad to the vast majority of people saying, man, it's crazy out here. I'm getting a gun and I'm going to train and, and you know what I mean? That may be explaining that to someone that might be a, like a villain and that they might not know that that person's a villain. And if that villain is communicating with more people and seeing more people that are being armed, that villain is less prone to attack violently a person, take their stuff, rob or rape. And we're seeing that as well. So it's a multitude of things, but the driving factor is a shift of culture via good education. That bar none has been the driving force behind this shift in Philadelphia. Do you also, um, is, is there a big, big push for training because, you know, that's my thing. When I have friends and family members who ask me if I think they should get a firearm, I, I always tell them, like, make sure you know how to use it. That's that's really the key. Yeah. And because all of our classes are completely free to the public, we completely every single class that we've done at Black Guns Matter, minus a few, I can't say every single because some, you know, we've charged. We, we started charging people ten dollars to register and they'd get their money back when they show up. If you don't show up, you don't get your money back um, because we would like to make sure that everyone that registers shows up. But most of our classes are free and have been free and they deal in education. So we've done over a thousand classes over the years by making someone that says, I want a gun and you being there and being available to them and saying, I know you don't know anything about firearms and that's fine. We're Planet Fitness. We are here to not judge you. We are here to meet you at your entry level and get you through the basics smoothly for free. We are completely crowdfunded. And in doing so, it just creates a space where the average person that thinks they would have to go to some sort of military law enforcement type of situation, we remove that psychological barrier to entry. And the, to be honest, the financial barrier to entry. You're gonna pay money for a gun. You're gonna pay money for ammo. You're gonna pay money when you start going to the range consistently we can get you from zero to five out of 10 in a few of our classes for free. Wow. So for us, the, the emphasis on training is because, to be honest, most of the people that purchase firearms say that. They say, yeah, I got this gun, but I don't have any idea what to do with it. What stops a person from going to get the information to learn what to do with it, learn about, again, safe and responsible firearms ownership, whether that's carry, storage, transportation, whatever, what stops them usually, ironically, is the Second Amendment community with this macho 
if you're not a, a real operator, you're not a real such and such and such, this, this marketing facade that somehow you got to be a special forces guy or gal in order to uh, exercise the Second Amendment. And somebody that looks like me, that speaks like I was, how I speak, that goes to the places that I go, that isn't necessarily as so-called polished as, you know, they would have some Second Amendment uh, organizations would normally, you know, get behind. They just relate because, I mean, hoods all across America, and I don't care what ethnic group you're from, hoods all across America are the same. If you don't live in a rich, gated community, you probably live in a hood. And so, I mean, just on the numbers, like most Americans are low to middle class, not, you know, high middle class to, you know, high class. And so because of how we present it, because of we the nomenclature, because of how I dress, you know what I mean? It creates a space where people feel more comfortable to come and get the type of information that they need as a new gun owner. So all of those things go in and support the concept of spreading the, the importance of uh, training in that demographic. We from the same hood. You in Chicago, I'm from Philly. You in New Orleans, you from hoods across America are the same. And so that that culture of safe and responsible owners also look like this. That's how we kind of opened the floodgates a whole lot. And 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 there's I'm not getting a space where people are like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm, I got the gun and I'm not going to train. When I have heard that before, where people walked into ranges or places and just didn't feel comfortable. So that's how we've been able to shift the narrative there. We have more of this interview in moments coming up. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. So let me ask you about the narrative, because when when people show up uh, to learn about accessing uh, a weapon and a license and all of that, do you also... Uh, talk about other libertarian ideas and and how is that received? Because one of my biggest pet peeves, because libertarianism is obviously the biggest threat to statism. It's not necessarily left, right, and it's not Republican, Democrat, because there's so many similarities within the two major political parties. It's, you know, the idea of individual liberty versus, you know, socialism and the state and making all of your decisions for you. And, you know, it's really about this, well-glossed authoritarian oppression. So because of that, because it does pose such a big threat to some of the loudest voices on the left right now, uh, they tend to demonize libertarianism, which drives me crazy. Um, And Mm -hmm. they tend to say things like, well, libertarianism, it's all white supremacy. Like everything about it is, is white supremacy. And it's like, well, that is not necessarily true on its face because it's not about groups in the collective. It's about the individual. So how much of that um, do you hear and how are people receiving the ideas of liberty who may not have interfaced with them in the past? They've, they've, we've all generally interfaced with liberty. It's just, Libertarians, you know, conservatives, people that so-called identify on the right, so-called. And that's I'm saying so-called because libertarianism, like you said, is its own thing. We outside of that whole duopoly. You guys bang with the state. We do not. Very, very, very limited government. Like right here, like I'm reading, you know, economic sophisms of what is seen and what is not unseen. This is like the collected works of Bastiat, right? Liberty guys from before the Libertarian Party existed, but 
when you my ability to translate it inf, translate information, I, you might not even know where it's coming from. So if I tell somebody, you know, hey, man, um, you have this human right, this natural right, these natural laws that come from nature, that all of these liberty concepts come from or derive from or get codified. But this is based on your human right to exist. When you're a baby at five years old and you're on the playground and another baby tries to push you down the slide in not such a good way, you quite naturally are going to defend yourself, at least to stop from getting pushed off the slide, or at least you might even go as far as being aggressive back, right? That is a human trait. That is natural law. Translating that to somebody as it relates to the Second Amendment, when I when I famously tweet everywhere I go, like when I'm in you know, every time I've done Fox, every time I've shown up to the building, when I've done Lawrence's show or anybody's show, I had a gun on me. When I'm in your, when I've done your show before, I have a gun on me. And I tweet it and I say it. Not because I'm trying to grandstand, but the, the dominant theme in conversation needs to be that one of liberty. It needs to be, I will not submit to unconstitutional uh, statutes that are not in alignment with my natural law to potentially defend myself. Our nation was codified that way. That is the framework of this place. With our nation's contradictions, some things are systemic. The racist practice of gun control is systemic. It was here like before emancipation, the slave codes, the black codes, so-called black codes. These things existed. They were there to stop melanated beings from having or attempting to stop us from having the means to so-called lawfully uh, defend ourselves if need be. When I can explain that to a person from a community that now feels like, yeah, I got a human right. I am engulfing them in the concept of liberty before they even know that I'm a libertarian. I am engulfing them in this concept that you have a natural right. Government does not have jurisdiction over your being in any way. And then tying them back into, because the left, you know, Democrats uh, more specifically, or statists in general, they do a very good job with their PR of making it look like black people are not supposed to be a part. Oh, this, 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 they didn't mean you. I don't care what they meant. I care what it actually, what was written down, and I'm able to call a contradiction. Thomas Jefferson, his pen was amazing, right? Writing the Declaration of Independence, it was amazing, but we have to call a contradiction. At the same time, he owned humans. So because my concept is liberty and my highest alignment is to the truth. I can translate that honestly while I'm giving credit where credit's due and being critical of where criticisms are needed. And some people may say, well, that's just how it was back then. Well, Thomas Paine didn't own humans. So when you explain these concepts to folks and from my demographic in a way and my skill set being translation, that person is automatically on board with liberty. Then I'll start introducing them if they if and when they ask, because they generally do. They'll ask, hey, what are you like? You're not a Democrat. Then what are you? Are you a Republican? Because they have that other level, next level of conditioning that all Republicans are all racist and so forth and so on. And that's because the Republican or the GOP does a horrible job of identifying some of the best conservatives in like the universe. Frederick Douglass. They never talk about Frederick Douglass. They never talk about the first 13 black senators, you know, were Republican. They have a horrible PR game. So then I give them to that point. Then I go, yeah, that's that part. But no, I'm not a Republican. I am a libertarian. And then damn near unequivocally, the person is going to say, what is that?
Now I can explain libertarianism to you from a different perspective. Then I put that person in that rabbit hole. Then they go down the rabbit hole on their own. Then if I hit them with some, you know, again, the law, which is a lighter read by Bastiat, you know, that uh, understanding and translating of that understanding is my skill set. And that skill set leans people into liberty. Then because I'm not, you know, to your point earlier, I'm not downing them because they're Democrats, like just like I'm not downing them because they're beginners at firearms ownership. I'm just saying, here's what liberty is. They go, well, that doesn't feel like what I get every four years or two years whenever I go to the voting booth. And I go, yeah, because the practice of liberty exists far beyond just the voting booth. And then that person starts to become more liberty-oriented themselves. And we have the location at the Solutionary Center where they can come learn about liberty concepts a lot more. So it's just really kind of allowing the person to grow into these um, these, these uh, ideologies by sharing what you know about the ideology from a perspective that they can relate to. And then that way, in the gun classes especially, is how we've been able to be successful about exposing this entire demographic. You Over the last, you know, in the next last few months to the next year, you're going to hear so many Black people talking about their libertarians. You know, I took the phrase BLM. Black, that does not stand for Black Lives Matter anymore. It stands for Black Libertarian Movement. That's what that's going to be. And that demographic isn't opposed to those ideologies. You know, statists are just really good at PR and not exposing that demographic to that ideology. No, but I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Civil War because I, I love uh, learning and reading about the Civil War, uh, particularly when uh, free people wanted to join the Union Army. And, mm-hmm. you know, there, there was so much pushback. And, you know, you make such a good point that gun control is implicitly racist, as are uh, most of the drug laws we have in this country. But that's yep. when the tide turned in the Civil War. And, you know, Ulysses Grant had to beg Lincoln to allow a black regiment. And he was like, these people are more invested than anyone on either side. And and they will fight. Uh, they will fight for the union. They will fight for their liberty and they will fight to the death. And the South just, you know, you could hear the collective gulp. And, uh, you know, and that was pretty much that. Um, so are we are we moving away because statism, progressivism, whatever you want to call it, Bernie Sanders and AOC, uh, they've had really solid marketing and they, they've had the ability to suck so much oxygen out of the room and, you know, really just grandstand. And they have taken so much of the emphasis away from rationality. Uh, do you see there being a pendulum swing in the direction of liberty? anytime soon the pendulum swing yes our and this is going to sound arrogant but i promise you i'm not trying to sound arrogant you're mars jore you can sound arrogant by gum the the pendulum swing was based on us going this is a problem and we need to focus first on gun ownership and it's hard to get somebody that if they sit down with me and they're on the fence and we talk about gun ownership and then i show them the historical roots and out current outcomes of black people being targeted for second amendment and gun ownership. You're going to be hard pressed to get that person. If they become pro gun after that, because they generally will be, you're going to be hard pressed to get that person to support a politician that is anti-gun at that point. Now they've spent money. 
Now they spent time training. Now they have a better understanding of the civic process. Now they have a, a better understanding of history. So the pendulum started swinging because we started, you know, our work at Black Guns Matter started pushing it that way. We went to the places where everybody, including folks in the GOP, I speak at CPAC all of the time or used to. And even those guys, you know, I recognize how status they were, but I knew that we needed that language there as well. But they weren't really doing like like they're not doing anything. The left is like, you know, you say Bernie Sanders and AOC having great marketing. Absolutely. They do. It's phenomenal. But we were trash. And I say we because, you know, I identify so-called as on the right. We failed to find superstars and highlight them. You know, I remember I made a panel at CPAC um, a few years back. It was the most electrifying panel that CPAC has ever had since the, since Reagan was alive, period. We had Shamika Michelle. We had Adrian, Nor- uh, 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 Adrian Norman. We had, we had uh, uh, Angela Stanton King. It was a black and brown panel that didn't focus on race. It was just a conversation about getting liberty-minded and conservative values how we could expand that in the urban demographic. It blew the socks off of everybody. The next year, Matt Schlapp and those guys just completely ghosted me and ignored me. Oh, Matt, good Lord. I'm going to send him a strongly worded letter. It's the craziest thing ever. Now, I know Matt, I know Mercedes. I'm not saying they're horrible people. I'm saying they don't recognize how to seize momentum. If you keep trying to just chase the Mar-a-Lago tickets, you know, (laughs) and... (laughs) It, it becomes like, and I get it, $30,000 ahead for those backstage seats. I'm not knocking. Hey, I know we got, we all got bills to pay. We all got, we trying to expand the resources, no doubt. But you can expand the resources by letting the people that are studs in those communities, let them go and highlight them. Right now, I'm definitely, this needs to be a television show. I've been traveling around the country for years, now two years in an RV going to all of these places when I, I'm not flying, but going to these places and all of these stories of people that are saying, the things that you are talking about are the things that we need in our community. But the left knows how to make AOC and Bernie Sanders superstars. Mm-hmm. You know, we need the libertarian movement. There needs to be a reality show based on the type of work that we're doing that puts it in front of this demographic. One is good for ad revenue, especially when you have a charismatic, intelligent, attractive speaker, you know, saying this to say that does the work too, that knows their stuff. The left is better at it. The pendulum started swinging because we said we're actually cooler and more intelligent than AOC, Bernie Sanders, David, uh, what's the kid, David Hogg. We're cooler than them. We're better than them. We shoot guns. We're in better shape. We look better and we have more interesting stories. And we just started highlighting what we'd be doing in hoods all across America. And then people started going, yeah, I like this. So that's why the pendulum is swinging that way. The pendulum will continue to swing. And this is to the left's credit or the statist's credit. Over the last two to now maybe three years, we saw such a massive level of censorship. I've had three, two Instagram pages taken. I'm on my third one. Um, multiple, So many like strikes on YouTube, this, that, and the third. We've seen corporate media like merge with the state in such a way to deliberately stifle information that and and in cahoots with government that in essence is undeniable they are so bad at their jobs right now that it's almost 
they're throwing us alley-oops all day. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so now we just got to catch the lob and dunk it. Yeah. No, I, I would love to see you make some more layups. I love having you on my show. I love the idea of seeing this and watching it uh, selfishly. I would like to see something like this uh, over at Fox. Um, and I, I really like I'm so moved by your message, your work ethic, your positivity and, you know, the universality in what you're talking about, because, you know, there are people who feel like they have been put in these boxes their whole lives and they don't quite fit. And, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes you, you have to be honored as an individual in order to emerge from that. Uh, a stronger person. Your message is phenomenal. And uh, I love talking to you, Marjorie. Thank you. I appreciate that, Kennedy, saving the world. <laughs> Thank you for being a part of the podcast. Thank you. This has been Kennedy Saves the World. I'm Kennedy. For more podcasts from my friends at Fox, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Oh, go ahead and leave me a review while you're there. I'd love to hear what you have to say. You've been listening to Kennedy Saves the World on the Fox News Podcast Network. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.